The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Absent Minded. It's the European duo once more and uh, today we're not in the same room but we're in the same Skype channel in a pod somewhere near you or above you at least. Welcome Anton once more. Thank you very much as always. Always a pleasure. Uh, well it's not really a pleasure today after last night's trashing of, by Tampa Bay. A 4-0 loss uh, to Montreal uh, in that game and... Uh, I haven't even watched the highlights, I'll be honest, because I, I, I'm recording this while I'm at work. But um, I had to get up early, so there's no chance that I was up watching the game. Uh, did you catch the game? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, and I'm thankful that I didn't. Um, it w- Originally, we had planned to record this podcast last night. Uh, and that would have been a much happier podcast after the uh, the, thra- the trashing of, uh, of uh, the uh, New York Islanders. Unfortunately, we're here now after the Tampa Bay shutout. And uh, yeah, I watched the highlights this morning and it's not a happy sight. This has been the tale the whole season, really. It's been a mixed match of, of bag of things, a pick and mix sort of, as we say here in Sweden, when we collect our own candy. But um, unfortunately, there has been not enough candy and uh, a little bit too much salt this season. And uh, yeah, it, it's been that the same this week. The, 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 a great game against Islanders, followed up uh, against a mediocre game against Tampa Bay. You can blame the injuries, you can blame the um, the flu going around, but in the end it comes down to it's it's just an uneven team and you never know which side is going to show up. No, exactly. And the ironic part is that this team can compete with anyone on a good day. They can also be yeah, absolutely demolished by any team any given day, which we've seen against the Red Wings this season, where we have zero points against the Red Wings this season. Uh, Red Wings, that's historically bad. Uh, but we beat and scored six goals against the New York Islanders, which has historic figures on defense. Um, so, yeah, you really never know what you're going to get. Um, I guess life is like a box of chocolates. Indeed, indeed. And uh, that's a reference from uh, a very old movie. You make me feel old now, Anton. I'm happy you've seen it, obviously, but uh, it makes me feel old. Yeah. 1994, baby. I was born then. Yeah, well, yeah, I finished high school. When it comes to to, um, the lineup, you had Alsner listed as the forward at one point, but but in the end, he was the seventh defender, rather. Um, Lucas Vedemo was called up into to the team. It's been a little bit, yeah. You can blame, you can blame injuries, but can you really blame injuries all the time? Well, now the team has made a, a what do you call it, a, um, an effort to not deplete the uh, the Laval Rocket altogether uh, by always uh, emergency using the emergency call up and only having. Uh, 18 players listed all the time 
which makes it more difficult, obviously, because if you get injuries like last night when you didn't have Tatar and you didn't have Gallagher, then obviously you have to list um, a reserve defense man on uh, as a as an extra forward, and uh, that's uh, a choice that Claude Julian and the management has has chose to go with now for the rest of the season, and. It has to do a lot, of course, with the fact that the Canadians already list this as a lost cause. This season is a lost cause, and they are looking forward to to the summer now. You're bringing up Laval. It was a, they succeeded in winning last night, and Kotkaniemi actually had his 12th assist in 12 games, but he also scored uh, the empty net for for Laval, making it its first goal in in AHL, um, getting a real confidence boost back and getting a friend back. As well, yes, and he will not play this weekend, but he will most likely play next Wednesday, I think it is, that Laval has released as a potential first game for yes, Ilanen. Uh, yes, Ilanen that comes off a tough season as uh, his Pelicans hasn't really lived up to the hype that they and heights that they achieved last year in Liga where they finished third. Now they were third from the bottom. Uh, and we actually learned that if you are on a team's reserve list, it's not an international transfer to bring that player over after they finish the season in Europe. Hence, why Yasilinen can join the Laval Rockets for a playoff push. What are your thoughts about this? Oh, it's going to be great to to watch him. Um, and I saw the interview as well with Yasilinen, where where he said that it feels great that there are already a few Finns on the team um, in Otto Leskinen and of course Jesperi Kotkaniemi, which makes it easier for Ilonen to have a good transition into the team. And obviously, as well, we have already discussed on the podcast that we think uh, or we we are quite sure that Jesse Ullinen will be a part of the Laval team next season. And now he gets a few months here to uh, to get into the city of Montreal or Laval and and just uh, get adapted to uh, to the smaller rink and get yeah get some playing time on a better team that's in for a playoff push instead of being left uh, on the Pelicans uh, where he really didn't have any help at all this year. And uh, you, ha- you have to realize he's actually grown up in, in Arizona. His father was a pro for, for uh, the Coyotes. But also, there's hybridized in, in, in Finland. So it's not that much of a change. And he's a forward. So it really won't matter much. It, the problem is usually for defenders and goalkeepers when you swap sides or ice sizes. But... Uh, for me, it's interesting because he has really been a little bit of a player that stays on the outside when there's traffic. And, and that is where I th- will look for him to have improved and, and maybe get into the dirtier areas a little bit and where he can play. You know, if he can move that, his, his very good skating and his very good shot into an area where he can really benefit the team and and be used except in, in that way and Obviously, a lot of talk is being made out of uh, have his, him having played with Kotkaniemi before, and it's just a few games. So don't make it too much, but obviously it's it's a great thing to see uh, that you have teammates you, you know from before. And we saw when Kotkaniemi came over, he was uh, out um, drinking coffee and hanging out a little bit with uh, Lucas Vedemo as well. So even if it's not maybe uh, uh, the same nationality. You have some sort of the same background when you're Swedish and Finnish 
we, we tease each other a lot and, and we hate playing against each other, but, but also we, we are kind of, it's always a friendly face in a way that when, when you come over and you see a Finn abroad, you sort of know that, yeah, he's, he's my kind of guy. So it's, it's a good thing. Um, as I said, I, I think he will be a success. And uh, I know he wanted to go over already before this season started. So I wasn't surprised that he went over at this time. It will also be interesting to see. Uh, I'm sure he will buy into UL Bouchard's uh, setup and, and, and uh, discipline. And uh, I think actually it will benefit someone like Ilonen to come to play a coach like that. Yeah, I think as well that Ilonen, no matter what, and, and we have to say as well for you North American listeners that his name is pronounced Ilonen and not Julenen or something, because I've heard both both the pronunciations um, on TV. Uh, but obviously, um, Ilonen will benefit from his strong skating, and I think absolutely that he will have. Um, there is his NHL potential, of course, in him uh, because of his strong skating and because of his. Uh, put, uh, defensive potential as well. Um, there, the only question is really whether he can just excel in his offense and become that uh, top six uh, forward that we absolutely think is in him, right? Yeah, and especially I, for me, it's the physicality of the game. He needs to build up a little bit, but I think he will go along. Partly, he saw what happened to Kotkaniemi when he built up a little. Um, a little bit too much muscle on the upper side of his body rather than, than making sure his skating was staying focused. Ilonen has worked very hard on his skating because he told me when I met him in Lahti that his skating has been atrocious, so he's always worked on it to become better and better. And that's the reason why he has some really good skating right now. It's not something that he was born with or his dad taught him when he was a kid. He has worked extra on his skating all through his career. And I don't think he he will bulk up. He will get bigger, you know, around the chest area. And but he will also be very very careful not to overdo it, to lose that skating that he has worked so hard to build up. Kotkaniemi didn't have the same kind of skating when he came over, so for him it was easier maybe to to lose sight of that and and focus on maybe building up a little bit too much. Yeah, and obviously uh, Kotkaniemi as well. He came over as a very slim 18 year old who had he was the youngest player in the league at least Ilonen will have some experience now having two or two and a half years in in the Finnish Finnish elite league everyone that listens to this know it's Liga nowadays and uh, yeah it's it's a uh, I think Ilonen will be an addition especially to a Laval team and in in the longer um, run he will be an addition to to Montreal Canadiens as well and um, it would be very interesting for me as spent uh, some time with him and also uh, made quite a few of interviews with him to, to follow him. It's always special. And uh, I'm looking forward to actually try and see if I can get a, catch a Laval game next week in order to see his first game. We will be covering that with either Jared Book or Julian McKenzie, one way or another, or maybe even both. I don't know. But uh, trust me, Eyes on the Prize will have full focus on Yes, Ilonen and Laval, Laval's rocket challenge for the playoffs. They passed the Marlies last night, and uh, that's always a good thing when you pass the Toronto team in any way. Looking into someone that made a great comeback into ice hockey after six weeks on the sidelines uh, this weekend uh, or this week uh, was 
uh, obviously Matthias Norlander. Yeah, Matthias Norlander has uh, yeah he uh, he even got an award for his season, didn't he? Yeah, he got the um, gold gallret, something that actually uh, Jacob Olofsson won a couple of years ago. Uh, another Montreal prospect, obviously, but it's awarded to to the uh, best junior player in hockey, Alsenskan. Um, a loose translation would be the golden cage because juniors plays with a cage over their face or the golden bars that the cage is made out of. Uh, it was a surprise. I spoke with Matthias yesterday and it will be more in, in the EPR this week for, for um, Eyes on the Prize readers. But um, he was surprised. He, no one had told him he was going to get this award. So being called up was a little bit of a surprise for him. He, he acknowledged it was a great surprise and uh, he couldn't really believe it. And it's a testament to the start of the season that Norlander had. Uh, he was really, really good uh, before the World Juniors, before the, the, the injury uh, or, or his concussion. Uh, and, and he's been out six weeks and he still manages to win that um that award and as I said there's been obviously some players that hasn't made a dent in, in an international career but some of them has also taken let's remember this it took a while for William Carlson to actually uh, that won this award uh, previously to, to make a dent in, in at the international level or, or NHL and but when he did he did it with a bang and, and that's good it was a little bit easier for Philip Forsberg that was a higher draft pick and, and uh, uh, to succeed in NHL. Uh, but he's also won it for his uh, contributions in Hockey Allison. There are others. Um, one that stands out is obviously um, Robin Kovac that had a personal tragedy. Uh, he won it two years in a row, if I remember correctly. And obviously Jonathan Dalian has won it, uh, who is now playing at Norlander's uh, opponent's uh, Timro this season after having moved back from a unsuccessful stint in the AHL with the Vancouver Canucks um, organization. He was traded to San Jose Sharks organization and they thought it was probably better to make him go uh, to, to have him go home to Sweden, get some play time, get some confidence back and we'll see what happens in the future. But but obviously that it's it's a testament to him and his skill. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Norlander goes down the line and, and gets a really good NHL career. Um, I watched him a lot. How much have you watched him? Uh, not very much. Mostly on the international stage because I don't watch Modo all that uh, all that much. I don't watch Hockey Allsvenskan all that much, even though I'm Swedish. Um, but I think it's impressive no matter what, just seeing the fact that this award has uh, existed for 10 years, 11 years now. And only once before has a defender, a defenseman uh, won it. And that was in 2013-2014 uh, with Lucas Bengtsson. Who had a great, let, let's be honest, he had a great season when he won it. He went into Frölunda uh, and managed to, to participate in the playoffs, won a gold medal, if I remember correctly, with Frölunda that year. And then obviously he went to Pittsburgh, undrafted, took a spot, but ended up with a with an illness, and now he is playing in SKA Moscow, uh, St. Petersburg. Uh, so uh, even if you don't win it, you will continue. Uh, even if you don't get into the NHL, you will get into a high level of hockey. 
Yeah, obviously. Uh, we can see uh, players. I, I mean, it's just great to, to see that. I mean, for the... Because I know that Trevor Timmons and the scouting department of Montreal has been, you know, scrutinized in the past because obviously they've been there for quite some time and there have been a lot of draft choices that haven't panned out exactly. Uh, Louis Leblanc uh, comes to mind instantly. Um, but just to see that, well, two times out of the last three seasons, a Montreal prospect has won it. Obviously, Jacob Olofsson was drafted after having won uh, the Golden Cage in 2017-2018. Uh, but it's still a good testament to uh, to the organization and the way they scout. To be able to find someone like Norlinder in the third round, uh, well, it's supposed to be... If you, if you want to have a competitive team, you have to find these gems in the later rounds. And that is something that I think Montreal has done much better in the last two drafts. You also have to remember that... Um not all the young players play in hockey Allsvenskan. The, the way that the system is built up in Sweden with under 16, under 18 and under 20 teams and 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 a trade team at usually the highest level, a lot of prospects go directly into different uh, SHL teams and and bypass hockey Allsvenskan. So there will be a bigger discrepancy between the winners of 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 this award than maybe the best young player in 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 SHL that will directly have a better um, how should I say? Uh, better it, it, info. Yeah, you have better info, and and he had had success yeah. at a higher level, so it will be an easier yeah. transition into uh, the NHL. I personally think that uh, Norlinder reminds me a bit about uh, Broberg in 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 Cholestio right now. <laughs> a lot of offense, um, not always great on defense, but but. That's not why he's there. He's there to be the the rover, uh, the libero in, in in football terms, the the player that can do a little bit of of, of everything and and is a, allowed to play all over the ice. Uh, you have to pair him with a stable defensive partner, obviously. But th- this is this is great, and I've seen Cholestio quite a bit this year as well. And Broberg, whenever he gets to park, you hear the. The coaches on the bench go like, go, 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 go. And he's not there to play defense first. He's there to play offense first and be a second defender uh, at all other times. Uh, Montreal has had a player a little bit like that before and didn't turn out too well uh, with with P.K. Subban. Um, I love P.K. I still love P.K. But uh, the question remains if Montreal is ready for another P.K. Or, or as Norlinder said when I spoke with him about it, well, I'm not a, a, another PK. I'm more of a Norlander guy myself, but uh, I'm looking forward to to challenge uh, for a spot in Montreal down the line. Yeah, I think personality-wise, he's not like PK at least. Um, but you know, we saw in the even if he didn't play that much in the World Junior Championships and and the tournaments leading up to that championship, we still saw that he could take more of a shutdown role if he has to. But obviously, it's not what he does best. He's an upside uh, kind of potential guy. And if you want the full scale of potential to be released, you have to let him play his game. Indeed. And he came in, uh, and, and obviously, during this first game back after six weeks, he got a goal and an assist on top of the award uh, before the game started. So so he was there. And it comes down the line. When you listen to this, they might already have played. But uh, in the di- in the last 
uh, game of the of, of the regular season. Modo is in the playoff spot for for or the easier route to to earn promotion. Uh, they need to lose in regulation while Timrel wins in regulation, and they also need to give up a combined ten goals or eleven goals because they have scored more goals than than Timrel as well. So Timrel needs to catch eleven goals. Uh, the problem for Modo is that they play away to Karlskoga, which is a a tough team, and and they've always gone out and pointed out that everyone hates Karlskoga, even the referees. But uh, uh, but Modo should at least draw that game. That's my perception of, of how the teams play. But Timro is playing the second worst team in hockey, Alsonskan, and they can easily score eleven goals. Uh, so it will come down to the wire, uh, and if Modo manages to get their point or, or keep the uh, keep the goals tied. Uh, in the end, they will play a local derby against Björklöven for the chance to play the worst team in SHL to earn promotion. It's an interesting conversation. I think this system is, yeah, rocket science is easier sometimes, but uh, it, it's very interesting. And a local derby against Björklöven. Literally, it's an hour's drive with a car, uh, 45 minutes if I drive it. But it's 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 going to be uh, something, I think, because both teams are very classic Swedish teams. So it will be something that a lot of people in Sweden will follow just because of the names and the history of those teams. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Björklöven hasn't been up in the... Uh... Swedish uh, hockey league, the Swedish elite league, now for for a lot of years. It was like I can say when it was I did my army service in Umeå, and they were up back then, and that's ninety three, ninety four. So yeah, quite a few years yeah, ago. Exactly. So it's really two sleeping giants will uh, face each other in that case. Indeed, and um, it would be interesting to see um, Norlander. Uh, I, there will be more about Norlander. He played with a. Uh, Tinted glass, or tainted glass, in order to to uh, protect his eyes, as he said. You know, when you practice, they don't have all the lights on, but when the game comes on, you, you there, there's even more lights, there's more reflection on the eyes, and uh, I needed it uh, in order to protect my eyesight. And you know, it worked for Ovechkin, so it probably works for me as well. We got a question last time after the podcast we recorded in Engelholm, I think it was. And uh, I'll read the question out loud. It was from the article, so you know we'll read it, even if we might not always um, reply in there. Hey, Patrick, Pronman just put out an article on the best players not currently affiliated with an NHL team. He ranked Mikhail uh, Grigorenko second. What has been your impression of him watching Seska? Is he worthy of another NHL contract? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure at all what I would do if 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 that's the. Um, I'm not sure what I would do in regards to Grigorenko. I have. I mean, he's decent, but where I, I, I haven't really been sold on him. On the other hand, in a lot of Seska has been driven by. Kirill Kaprizov, uh, obviously, and and uh, I'm sure NHL goalies will have nightmares all through the summer, uh, wondering what what uh, Kaprizov will do when when they encounter him the first time. But on the other hand, 
but when you look at Grigorenko, he, if we look at his stat line, it's not the best stat line. Um, 19 goals, 22 assists, point per game, almost in KHL. Um, you look at him before, he's been kind the last two seasons when, when seska has been really good. He's been at the same kind of level. Yeah, do you do you want him to come over just to, you know, make sure that um that Romanov fits into the lineup? Yeah, maybe. But then there are other, probably other players that you would get for that chance. Um obviously Mark Bergevin left the door open for Kovalchuk, and I think that is mainly uh the guy you look to. Um and even if Romanov's English isn't the best. I'm sure, as he's uh, proclaimed his his interest and and his uh, that that he really looks up to Shea Weber. You want to merge him with Shea Weber anyway. You want him to get confidence in his English. You want him uh, to to play defense. Um, if if I could, I'd rather pay more money to get Kovalchuk back rather than get uh, Grigorenko into. A Montreal lineup, and the question would still be left open a little bit, like uh, Shipsayev. Would Grigorenko, who has played in the AHL before, go back to play in the AHL if it didn't work out? Yeah, I think that if you take in an unproven player, which he still is on the North American stage, Mikhail Grigorenko, um, you have to have a a, a clear role for him um, and I think he's a player that fits better in your top six uh, forwards and I if if you say uh, uh, the way you say it like if you have to choose between uh, bringing back Ilya Kovalchuk or uh, bringing in uh, Mikhail Grigorenko uh, obviously I would choose Kovalchuk even though he's older it's still a proven player who you know what you're going to get from and you know his leadership qualities, you know that he fits in the locker room and everything. We've seen with players who come over from Russia that it can really be anything from really high end, like Alexander Radulov, the first season he was in Montreal and, and also in Dallas. I mean, he has been a great import. He had also a history of being in the NHL before. He went back to Russia and then he came over. Um but as you said, we've also seen players like Vadim Chipachov, who uh, were proven players in the KHL, great players in the KHL, who just didn't fit in the locker room. And then you stand there with a high salary contract and uh, a player who's used to having all the limelight on them. And you don't want that kind of player to go, well, to have to play fourth line minutes or uh, having to play in the AHL. I think they have too much too much charisma and too much ego to fit in that kind of a role. Obviously, I don't know Grigorenko as a player, but I know that he is one of Seska Moscow's most proven players. And I don't think that he would move to North America again if he wasn't sure that he was going to get a clear shot at playing heavy minutes on a good team. Yeah, uh, looking at Grigorenko, uh, he's played very well um, in, in Seska, but... 41 points, That's it, it would be an addition, obviously, for Montreal. But comparing him in, in, in different situations, he is at a similar point-per-game player that, you know, um, 
Mario Kemp is. Mario Kemp hasn't played that many games in, in, in Seska, but he's played very well. He's taken a spot on the, on the first line. He scores quite a few goals. He's uh, helping Killer Kaprizov score a lot of goals, and, and goalkeepers will have nightmares about Kaprizov uh, all through the summer. But, but this, this is a guy that was washed out of L.A., and L.A. isn't really the top team in NHL, and you, you want to you, you place your bet on, on uh, Grigorenko that is you know, at the same kind of level, most likely, to, to Kempe. And it really, no, you know, it's, it's always great to find a gem. As you mentioned, you find Radulov with his history. But Grigorenko, he's also had history. And it's not like he's been, you know, proven uh, or, or done amazingly in the NHL when he's been called up. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd rather have Ilya Kovalchuk there to, to help settle Romanov around. You want someone with a family. This is my personal uh, beliefs. If you bring a young guy over, make sure he stays with a guy with a family, that someone that can control him a little bit, show him what it means to be a pro. And obviously Romanov has expressed his um, appreciation for Shea Weber. So if you have Ilya Kowalczuk there being the stable f- uh, father figure in many ways to, to Romanov, and you have someone that Romanov really looks up to that also has a family, it's going to be less time spent on town or 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 anyway. I think Romanov is a true professional. That's what I heard out of the locker room anyway. So I'm not saying that he's going to be out partying. But I'm also saying that you want to make sure that he's surrounded with very stable players. And the way that you saw Kovalchuk play with his kids, give Alexander Romanov the chance to be, you know, Uncle Alex or Uncle Sasha and and, you know, settle down, speak a little bit of Russian when he's home, learn from Shea Weber and learn from, from Ilya Kovalchuk what it means to be a really pro- professional here in NHL. And, and obviously you have other guys that are true professionals. Brendan Gallagher comes to mind. And, and that, I, I think that's the kind of thing you want. You don't want another 25-year-old Russian and they will withdraw into the team. You mentioned uh, Kovalchuk leadership qualities in, in the dressing room, something that, that is valued already. You, you have someone that you trust, that you know, that you sent off in a very, very good way. Yeah, I'd rather spend more money on Ilya Kovalchuk than take a flyer on, on Mikhail Grigorenko. I think as well that we saw last summer a true KHL star come over to North America in Nikita Gusev. Um, he has played all right in the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, the Devils have been kind of a trash team this year. Um, he has 42 points in 63 games, um, but he was on an MVP level in the KHL. Um, so we see a guy coming over from the KHL. Obviously, we can see that the step is still one step up playing in the NHL. There are more stars. There is, you know, there there it's more difficult to um, provide uh, your team with those kind of numbers as you do in the KHL. And if you look at Grigorenko, he has worse stats than uh, Gusev, obviously. So you can't really... I think that his star quality is bigger, much bigger in Russia than it would be in the NHL. I think he would be an average player in the NHL, and I'm not sure that he would, as I said before, want to slot into an average 
type of role, a middle six role. I think he wants to be someone you build the team around, and I don't know if he's good enough for that. He wants to lead a second line, uh, and and he's not going to lead the second line in, in Montreal next year. Let's be honest about that. That would be Suzuki, Dano, or, or Koskaniemi. So he would have to line up. as If, if he's not center, he would have to line up on the wing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I also want to point out that the national team games that, that um, he's played this year has not been when Russia has lined up with their strongest national team. He, he lined up, if I remember correctly, in, in Sweden hockey games where Russia brought the junior team and lost three out of three. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not undecided about uh, Grigorenko. I'm a big, big no. That's it from today. Uh, please listen to us um, from whatever platform you can. If you want us to add a platform, please tell us and we'll do our best to do that. Uh, make sure to follow us on uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Eyes on the Price Radio. Uh, Anton is not on Twitter. I am on Twitter, at Seb Habs. Or at least subscribe to our podcast because if you don't find it in the article, you will get it an update in your uh, podcast uh, app quite a few time uh, quite a long time before you get the article on ice on the price thank you once more anton i'm happy that you joined me and uh, good luck for next week when you move countries again yeah exactly it's been a uh, too long stay in sweden a month and a half now i'm off to ireland